We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. Cool. If you have a Bible today, let's open up to Luke chapter 15. Luke 15, beginning here in verse 1, where it says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. We come now to a section in the Gospel of Luke that commentators say is unique to Luke. Um, You're not going to find it in Matthew or Mark or John. And they actually call it the Gospel to the Outcast, um, to the social exiles, to those that even the church, even the religious leaders did not want to deal with. But Jesus deals with them. And what we see right here in our setting is that Jesus, in verse 1 and 2, is meeting and he's eating with sinners. Now the religious leaders didn't like it. They thought they were so right in that they complained saying, Jesus, you are in sin. How can you meet and eat with sinners? As a matter of fact, he was eating and meeting. Notice again, it says in verse 1, with all the tax collectors. That sounds kind of weird, huh? All the tax collectors? Apparently there was a lot of tax collectors there. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with the Jewish culture, we know that tax collectors were considered to be pretty much the epitome of evil. Um, tax collectors are, are bad enough. Huh? I mean, tax collectors, come on, you know? They want my money. But in those days, they wanted more. Uh, They were ripping off the people financially, and they were traitors to the nation politically. They were Jewish people who aligned themselves with the Roman government and said that we will take away the money from the people. We're going to get rich off the people. And so imagine that. There you are, you know, and you're having problems making your rent. You're having problems, you know, getting new shoes for your kids. I mean, you're having problems getting rice and beans because of those tax collectors that are taking way too much money. They're hurting us financially. They're traitors politically. 
And here is Jesus eating and meeting with them. You know, and so the Pharisees and the scribes, they complained and and they thought they were really right in the fact that, you know what, you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to meet and eat with sinners, not tax collectors. And, and what the Lord is going to do today, you guys, is He's going to reach our hearts, and I hope He does, with an understanding, number one, of who He is. And that's when you read the Bible, make sure that's the first thing you do. Because a lot of people, when they read the Bible, the first thing they do is, okay, what do I have to do? What do you have to do? What type of burdens can I place on the people? What's my responsibility? And there is a place for that. But I want to encourage you first to say, well, how does this teach us about God? What does it show us about God in reading this this whole parable, right? these parables right here? What does it show us about Him? It shows us that He's a friend of sinners, huh? It definitely shows that even you, <laughs> even tax collectors. You know, some of you here, you've done terrible things. You rip people off. Some of you here, you've hurt families. Some of us here, we've done some crazy things. We've hurt our own children. God still loves you. God's still a friend of yours. It reveals to us who God is. And I hope and pray that we would know it's an amazing thing. You know, a shepherd loses a sheep. Want to know what God does? He goes looking for that sheep. He goes looking for that sheep until until he finds the sheep. That's how God is. God loses a sheep. He goes looking for the sheep. Not 15 minutes. Not 15 days. Not 15 years. He goes looking for the sheep until he finds the sheep. See, that's who God is. And then when he finds the sheep, he's not like us. What do we do when our dog gets away? We go looking for it, and then we find it. What do we normally do? Bad dog, I can't believe you did. Get over here, you know. And I'm not going to give you any biscuits today, right? <laughs> what does God do? When he finds a sheep, he rejoices. He says, man, I thought you were mauled by a bear. I thought a wolf ate you. I didn't think I was going to find you. What does God do? He goes, he lifts up the sheep, he, he puts it on his shoulders and he rejoices. That's what the Lord says. This is what I am. This is who I am. And when we find out who God is, I don't know about you, because even you know, before I was a sinner, you know, God saved me, and now I'm saved, and I still mess up, and I just find so much comfort in the fact that he's still my friend. He's a friend of sinners. If you go back to Luke, uh, I think it's chapter 7. I'll race you there real quick. Luke chapter 7. Look at verse 34. Because they were complaining about Jesus. And Jesus says, yeah, this is my reputation. This is what they say. Verse 34. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking. And you say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Luke 7.34. You're still my friend. You see, that's who God is. And that's what we see when we look at this sheep. How many of you here are grateful that God's a friend of sinners, man? We are, huh? You know, they thought it was bad. I think it's good. 
I don't know about you, but I don't see this as a flaw. I am just in awe of the fact that my Lord is a friend of sinners. It's too bad that so many people don't understand the heart of God, the mission of Jesus Christ. And they think that the church thing is supposed to be a museum for saints, a place for perfect people, when in all reality it's a hospital for sinners. It's a place for us to come and realize that God is a friend of sinners. He won't end the friendship. He will work with you when you're sincere to hear. And we can't miss that either because look again at verse 1, Luke 15, then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to do what? To hear him. They drew near to hear him. Some people, I don't want to hear God. I don't even know what I'm doing here in this church. I don't want to hear what God has to say to me. Some people are real hard-hearted. You know, some people will look at this passage and they'll say, Jesus was a friend of sinners, Manny, so I'm going to go out with the boys and have me some beers. What do you think, you know? Jesus was a friend of sinners. I'm going to go and I'm going to hang out with this person and we're going to just do these things, you know, every day. But the thing is this, okay? And again, this is between you and the Lord, but you have to realize the way that it works. Jesus said, don't feed your pearls to the swine. If you know they really don't want to change, if you know they really don't want to hear, then in, in that case, you've got to just pray. You've got to give it to the Lord. And you've got to say, God, you're the one that can take care of this. But when you find that person over there, that friend over there, that family member over here, when in all reality you know, and the Lord just begins to show you, they're sincere to hear. It doesn't matter if they're a tax collector or a severe sinner. God says, I want to use your life to reach them because this is my heart and this is what I do. I'm a friend of sinners. They drew near to him. Why? Because they knew he cared. They knew he was different than the Pharisees and the religious experts of the law. They knew he cared. He was speaking truth. And they drew near to hear. Of course, the Pharisees didn't like this. They complained. And so what does the Lord do? He speaks a parable. Actually, he speaks three parables in Luke chapter 15. First one is the lost sheep. The second one is the lost coin. And the third one is the lost son. And we'll cover the first two today that deal with the sovereignty of God and salvation. The parable of the lost son deals with the responsibility of man in salvation but first before you say hey you gotta you know seek the lord first you have to know that the lord seeks you because the lord loves you and he loves us and he seeks us and so the lord he gives an illustration in verse four he says come on you guys what man of you you have a hundred sheep if you lose one of them does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which he has lost until he finds it. Now, from what I understand in those days, um, a a sheepfold of about 100 was considered the norm. And so you have 100 sheep. At the end of the day, you bring them all in and you count the sheep. Okay, You don't fall asleep counting them. You count them all until it's all done. And then let's just say one day you're counting sheep and then, and then you realize that one's missing. What does a good shepherd do? Well, the Lord says it's obvious when you've got a shepherd's heart, if you're a good shepherd, you leave the 99 and you go looking for the one. 
You see, this is what God has done for us. The Pharisees, the scribes, the religious leaders, they would know that this is the type of relationship that Israel has with God. He's a shepherd, we're the sheep. And he has gone looking for us. You see, Psalm 23, most of you know that, right? The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. I'll never lack because God's my shepherd. Psalm 95, verse 7, it says, For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Jesus even said in John 10, 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. You see, the Bible often speaks of God and his people as a shepherd and the sheep. And so, in reading this right here, it wouldn't be a distant story about primitive people in a faraway country. No, for us, we understand that when the shepherd loses one of his sheep, it's a story about us. It's a story about you and me. When we ran away from God, when we split, when we quit, when we departed, when we said, I don't want you anymore, and God came after us. You see, this is the heart of God. You know, we read the Bible and we know that that's a tendency that sheep have. It's kind of funny. Isaiah 53, verse 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. And so that was just the tendency of sheep. Now, how many of you here, you're good with directions? You're like, hey, I know where we parked when we get out of the mall and stuff, right? And how many of you here are bad? You're like, I have no idea, north, south, east, west, up, down, all around. I don't know what's going on. You know, well, picture yourself without any direction, not knowing that kind of stuff. That's the way sheep are. They just have a natural inclination to get lost, okay? And that's the way we are. That's what the Bible says. As a matter of fact, Adam Clark said, No creature strays more easily than a sheep. None is more heedless and none so incapable of finding its way back to the flock when once it's gone astray. It will bleed for the flock and still run in the opposite direction. (laughs) I thought that was interesting, man. You know, sheep, they just find a way to go astray. But the wonderful thing is, the truth is, the reality is that the God that we have actually has a shepherd's heart and every single one of his sheep is valuable to him. And we need to know that this is the way the Lord is. He will go looking for the one. And we need to know that. This is a revelation of who and how God is. Some people say, no one knows what God looks like. Yes, we do know. He's good looking. We do know that, man. He goes looking for you. Because the devil wants to destroy your life. The devil wants to send you to hell. The devil wants to ruin your life. We don't know how many days, months, you know, years. We don't know. But don't you want to finish well? God wants to bless you. God wants to use you. God wants to, man, pass the baton through you to your children, to your friends and family members, to the ministry that you're involved in. God wants to do that work. The devil doesn't want you to. And so when we go astray, man, the Lord will come looking for us. And it's such a wonderful thing when we read this right here, how God looks for us because God loves us. And then when God finds us, it's so interesting the way He rejoices over us. 
I mean, you would typically think that it's not that big of a deal if just one sheep out of a hundred is gone, right? But that's not the heart of a true shepherd. The heart of a true shepherd understands that every single sheep is valuable. And so God reaches out to us, and then when he finds us, he rejoices over us. You see, God's heart is completely different than these guys right here, these scribes and Pharisees who were supposed to be his representatives, who mistakenly thought that the tax collectors and sinners were insignificant, rejected by God, who thought that God would never even give them the time of day, much less stay and hang out with them and reach out to them. What we find when we look at the heart of God is that he cares for us. He really does. You know, he wants to meet and eat with sinners. That's who God is. And I pray we would know who God is. Secondly, we would find comfort in that because you and I mess up sometimes. And then thirdly, I pray that you and I would be that way with others. It's kind of funny. And of course, the Lord has to lead and guide you in everything. But sometimes I think Christians, man, they live in a Christian bubble. When was the last time you had dinner with someone who was not a disciple? When was the last time you had people over your house who just were as lost as lizards? When? And you have to check your heart. You're like, hey man, I gotta get me, you know, a Christian, you know, plumber and a Christian gardener and a you know, Christian mechanic, Christian teachers, Christian shoes. I mean, you name it, everything becomes Christian t-shirts and it's like man cool you know I understand you know a lot of times those are the ones with integrity and they come with a good word and they'll do a good job but you know you really have to make sure that we don't live within that Christian bubble because Luke 19.10 and we'll look at it in a few weeks the Bible says that the son of man has come to seek to seek and save that which was lost what ends up happening a lot of times is we Miss the whole point. You guys ever do typing on the computer, just out of curiosity? Do you guys ever do that? Now, every once in a while when I'm typing, I'll have my, my fingers in the wrong spot, just over one. Do you guys ever do that, or is it just me? You know, and when your fingers are off just like that, you start typing, you're jamming, you're like, hey, it's cool, man. And then you look up and you're like, wow, uh, none of this makes any sense, you know? And, and that's what can happen when, you, when, you're, when your hands are off, when your heart is off, just like that. The scribes and the Pharisees, believe it or not, they had come to a point in their life where they thought you could not even teach them, much less meet with them and eat with them, because when you eat with them, you're one with them. And that's what it said to the culture. But Jesus said, who cares what the culture thinks? This is where I'm at, right? And this is what I want you to know about me, and this is what I want you to emulate. And so what ends up happening, the Lord shares with them, listen, this is the way it is that with, with sheep, they go astray. But here's the thing. When the Lord begins to minister to them, and like I said earlier, um, it's not just anybody. It's those who come to hear, those who are sincere. Then the Lord begins to minister to them, and He brings them to a point of repentance. See? It's not just you know hanging out with them, thinking that that's what God wants. You know, it's more than that. And of course, sometimes it takes time to find out where they're at, but it's worth the, it's worth the chance. You know, recently we had the privilege of uh, 
spending the summer, um, we had a Friday night Bible study. And we would go to the apartments here in Klingerman, and sometimes we would go to the school right there in Payne. And uh, we would bring them pizza, man. The first time we brought them pizza, we brought them a lamppost pizza. You guys ever been there? Good stuff, man. Really good stuff. whole bunch of cheese, pepperoni, all that kind of stuff, man. You know, and uh, some might look at that and say, Manny, they're only coming for the pepperoni pizza, you know? Because we had the kids coming and the youngsters coming and different people coming. You know, I mean, just right back from getting a beer at the liquor store. And, you know, they were there and, and some might say, man, they just, you know, they got a buzz and they whatever, they got the munchies. I don't know. People will tell you different things. And, and you know, I don't know. Maybe some, you know, came, you know, initially for that. But I'll tell you what, man, when they came, they got the love of God. Because we, man, the Lord would lead to meet and eat with sinners. You know, and maybe not everybody ended up, you know, doing what we would want them to do, but some did. Some did, and it was worth it. And every single seed that was planted and every single seed that was watered was a blessing. And when we do things like that, when we do outreaches like that, when we invite the sinners, you know, who are here and sincere, you know, to the love of God, then our hands and our hearts are in the right place. And we realize that this really is what it's all about. It's not just about a Christian social club. It's not just that. And yes, we need to have dinner where we have our friends over and our disciples over because that blesses them and that builds them up and that fellowship is important. But we, know to, we need to go beyond that as well. We have a responsibility to the lost to lead them to Jesus Christ. When was the last time you had dinner with someone who was not a disciple? And you've got to check your heart. You see, this is what the Lord is trying to teach them. This is who God is. This is who God is. We find comfort in that. And then we also want to be like Him. The Lord loves these people so much. I don't know how you feel about them. Maybe you don't think they're that important. But I, I don't know, man. I know they are. To me, they are. Every single one of them is. These little kids, their mokos are coming down. They're so precious to God. And they get a little older, five and six and eight and ten. And then they're 14 and 16 and they're already getting high and doing gangs. All that kind of stuff. And then they get older. And they kind of get set in their ways. But they're all so precious to God. Because when He finds them, the Bible says right here that He just rejoices over them, you know? He rejoices when they repent. Oh, this is so cool. It says right here in verse 7, I say to you that likewise there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Now the 99 just persons who need no repentance, it could be two things. It could be A, those who are Christians and they're safe and they're there and everything's cool. You know, when they got saved, God rejoiced over them. Or it could be those individuals who think they don't need to repent. And they're self-righteous. We don't know for sure. I do know this, that when the one sinner repents, the Lord rejoices. It's so cool, huh? The Bible says that over and over again, how God rejoices 
how God's heart is different, how he amazingly loves us and rejoices over us when he finds us and brings us home. As a matter of fact, if you want to, maybe you can write down the scripture if you don't already know it. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. Zephaniah three seventeen. It says this. It says, The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. And he will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And I'll, I'll share this with you. And I know, I know some of you can relate to this. Let's just say you haven't seen someone in church for a while. And then you see them. You know, it's been, it's been maybe a few months or, or maybe even longer. And you see them. Don't you get happy? You're like, oh man, it's so good to see you. Now, I always tell them, if I feel that way, imagine how God feels. God rejoices over you with gladness. And what that means right there is he celebrates. When was the last time you celebrated? When was the last time you jumped for joy? You know, when was, was it when that guy hit the three-pointer? Was that what it was, you know? Was it when that guy threw that touchdown? Yeah, you know, you're all excited. The interception. Sometimes that makes us more happy than the things of the Lord. But when the Lord sees that one repent and return, he rejoices with gladness. As a matter of fact, it says he rejoices over us. He's going to rejoice over us with singing. Now that's cool. That really is so cool. I can't wait for that to happen. Have you ever had someone dedicate a love song to you? On Coast 103, love songs. Have you read that? Uh, this one goes out to John, you know, on Coast 103. And you're like, man, that's so cool. He, you know, the love song is dedicated to me. Well, how about if you take it a step further? Have you ever had someone sing a love song to you? Ever had that happen? That would be so cool. Have you ever had someone sing a love song to you in public? Imagine that, man. I dare some of you guys do it today, man. I should do it. But imagine this, you guys. God is singing. He's going to sing a love song over you in front of everybody. That's the way He rejoices. I don't know if you know this, but you are the apple of His eye. I don't know if you realize this, but His thoughts towards you are as the sands of the sea. I don't know if we really capture the understanding of what God teaches and that before he ever flung a star into the sky, he thought of you. You're a lost sheep and he will go looking for you until he finds you. See, that's who God is. And then when he finds you, he lifts you up, he puts you on his shoulders and he carries you home to where you belong in fellowship with the flock. You see, the Lord says, listen guys, you guys know how it is. I know you got to struggle with me and I'm meeting and I'm meeting with sinners. But you got to understand, this is who God is. You guys can relate to me, you know, with your sheep. And you gals, you can relate to me with your coins. 
Because look what he says next. He says in verse 8, What woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Again, the Lord says, Likewise I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God, over one sinner who repents. God's not ashamed to celebrate, to dance, to rejoice, even in front of the angels. Look what he just did. He came back to me. I found him. He repented. And it brings God joy. You know, there's a sheep that's lost. There's a coin that's lost. Literally, it was a drachma, or equivalent to one day's wages. Now, this lady right here, she loses that silver coin Probably not just because it's one-tenth of her savings as she worried, not just because of the fact that it was a day's wages, but more than likely, this was a headpiece that the Jewish woman would wear. And what it was was a headpiece with ten silver coins, which was kind of like our modern-day wedding ring. You know, you would wear it when you got married. It was kind of like, okay, she's married. You guys, we have the wedding rings. I encourage you to wear your wedding rings because it shows that you're taken, Right? And that's what it was, right? That's what this was. And so imagine you ladies, okay, we'll use the ladies now as an example. What would happen to you if one of your rocks, one of your diamonds fell off your ring? <laughs> what would you do? Oh, it's no big deal. You know, I'm watching TV right now. <laughs> no, man, you'd light the lights. You'd sweep through, man. You'd make sure that you found that rock. You found that diamond. Just out of curiosity, you ladies, have you ever misplaced your wedding ring? You ever lost it? And some of you are like, yeah, I didn't want to find it. I want to get a new one, right? <laughs> no, you look for it until you find it. And then when you find it, it means more to you. It almost means more to you than if you had never lost it at all. And the Lord is saying, this is the way it is in the kingdom of God. I know you think, ah, oh, just another coin. Ah, oh, just another sheep. Ah, oh, just another tax collector. Ah, oh, just another sinner. Ah, oh, I'm just another guy. I'm just another girl. No, you're not. There's no such thing. Not in God's heart. And so he goes looking. Now the interesting thing, I don't know if this is true or not, but a lot of people will say, because there's three parables in Luke chapter 15, that the first one is in reference to Jesus, that he's the shepherd. And, and we see that probably pretty clearly. A lot of people will say that the last one, we're going to see next week, the father, the prodigal son, is in reference to the father. And that's probably pretty clear. But a lot of people will tell you that this second one right here, this one that's represented with a woman, is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Now, again, I don't know if that's true or not, but I do know this, that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is here. And the Holy Spirit is the one that points you back to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the one that points you to the Lord. The Holy Spirit is the one that's seeking a bride for Christ. And let me tell you something. If He is, man, my encouragement to you is to listen to that voice and to repent of your sins and return to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Here we see the Lord giving us these parables to tell us about the kingdom of God. And in the end, I think what we find is that Jesus is saying that God actually searches out for sinners. And therefore, in looking at that, we discover who He is. This is who God is. 
Let it comfort our hearts, but also let it challenge us to be the same way. God wants to use your life to reach the lost. We need to catch the vision of his mission. I remember Charles Swindoll, one day he asked a question, when was the last time you were with someone who was as lost as a lizard, you know? We have to check our hearts. I like what John Wesley said. He said, the church has nothing to do but save souls. Therefore, spend and be spent in this work. You see, we want to exalt God. We want to enjoy God. We want to know Him and we want to make Him known. God looks for the lost. Why? Because God is good looking. And God is a God that wants us to be like Him. My encouragement to you today is to let God bless you. Let God find you. Let God use you. And let's rejoice together. C.S. Lewis said, joy is serious business in heaven. Man, let's go forward, you guys. Let's go forward in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And just in case there's anyone here today who finds themselves lost, you're separated from God by your sin, I want you to know today that God loves you and God wants to win you back to Him today. And no matter how hard it's been, you've got to know that He cares for you. And just as He did when He found the lost sheep, understand this, that when He finds you, He will carry you home. He will put you on His shoulders and He will bring you back to where you belong. And so, Lord, we thank you so much for your word, your love, your grace in our life. Father, I thank you for uh, just being who you are. You are an amazing God. That you would care for someone like me in this little tiny speck of a planet. This little guy right here that's a sinner is just so precious to you. And Lord, I pray that we would understand who you are, that we would be comforted by who you are, a friend of sinners who will never end the friendship. I also pray, Lord, that we would be like you are. Use our lives, Lord, to reach the lost. And just with every head bowed and everybody just praying, God, use us to reach maybe one sinner here today, somebody who doesn't know you. And if you're here today and you don't know the Lord and you're not a Christian, maybe somebody invited you here, somehow you ended up in this place because God is looking for you because God loves you. And you want the Lord, man. You say, Lord, I've sinned, but I want to turn from my sin and I want to trust in Christ as my Lord and Savior. If you want to know for sure that when you die you'll go to heaven if you want all your sins forgiven if you want God to lift the burden from your heart you want to become a Christian today then right where you're at I just want you to raise your hand and we're going to pray for you thank you so much Lord for that hand that went up it's the most important decision that anyone will ever make in their entire life whether or not you're going to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. When you stand before God one day, He's not going to say, were you a good person? Because there's no such thing. The only question will be, what did you do with my son?
did you receive him as Lord and Savior? And this is the opportunity. Today is the day of salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. It's an invitation from God to you. And it's a free gift. Anyone else? Just raise your hand. Thank you so much, Lord the hand that's gone up. Anyone else? The Bible says, if you confess me before man, I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. But if you deny me before man, I will deny you before my Father who is in heaven. The Bible says, today is a day of salvation. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion. If there is a battle going on inside of you, don't let the devil win. Anyone else? Lord, I thank you so much, Lord, for those who raise their hands, Lord God, today. Only you can save a soul. Only you can bring life. And I pray that you would, Lord, today. If you raise your hand to receive Christ, right where you're at, just pray this prayer in your heart. Just pray this prayer. Say, Dear Lord, I come to you today and I admit I have sinned. But I turn from my sin and I trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live life as a Christian. In Jesus' name. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.